We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. We're here. I wish I could keep this feeling. I wish I could keep this feeling. What up, everybody, and welcome to another episode of The Corner Podcast. This week's episode of The Corner is brought to you by Casper Mattresses. Casper is an online retailer of premium mattresses for a fraction of the cost. You know me and Andreas are always covering events. We're always writing articles. But when we do have time to sleep, we lay our head down on a nice, pillowy, soft premium mattress from Casper Mattresses. Casper is revolutionizing the mattress industry by cutting the cost of dealing with resellers and going straight to you. No showrooms, no middleman. Everyone's seen those creepy guys trying to follow you around the department store. None of that anymore. You get your hands on a nice premium mattress by going straight to Casper Mattresses. Yeah, man. I mean, I, I got to get my rest. So Casper Mattresses is the, is the goods. I'm telling you right now. So listen, you can get $50 off of any mattress purchased by visiting casper.com backslash the corner and entering the promo code the corner. That's one word, the corner. That's casper.com backslash the corner, promo code T H E C O R N E R. Terms and conditions apply. What up, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Corner Podcast. As usual, Kel Dansby here with old man Andreas Hale in the building and like we told you last week it's kind of our start of our run of our specialty shows to end out the year right now you're listening to the best of the year show where me and andreas will go over our favorite things of 2017 it's crazy to think that 2018 is here and around the corner uh the year flew by a lot of good stuff in combat sports hip-hop wrestling the the whole nine it's going to be a fun episode but dre before we get into that I had to talk about what just happened this past weekend and do a quick recap of Lomachenko Rigondeaux. And Nomashchenko is in effect because no one wants to finish a fight with this dude. 
No, he's really that good. Um, you know, I was watching it while I was at the uh, the Roman Salido fight. And everybody ringside for Ramon Salido was streaming Lomachenko ring it down. No, I don't think anybody was watching what was happening in the ring. I think, I mean, I was. I had to cover the Tevin Farmer fight, but I was really having a hard time watching that fight. Um, that being said, man, uh, I didn't think it'd be that easy. And, I mean, dude, I, he's, he may not be the number one pound-for-pound fighter yet, but it's really hard to argue. And, and I've, I've been dealing with trolls like all week. Well, I don't even want to call them trolls. I'll just deal with people that, that say that he's not that good. Or he's not top 10, which is like retarded. And I know retarded is not politically correct, but I don't care right now. <laughs> because to say that Lomachenko is not a top 10 pound for pound fighter and he hasn't fought elite, like top competition, but saying that somebody like Errol Spence has is kind of stupid. Uh, Lomachenko just beat, granted, he was two weight classes above him, Guillermo Rigondeaux, who was ranked in some places number, as high as six, seven, pound for pound. Nicholas Walters was unbeaten. Uh, and he made him quit. Uh, I mean, come on, guys. Like, you got to stop with this nonsense. Yeah, sooner, sooner or later, you got to just trust your eyes. Yeah, hey. like, you got you to gotta know what you're looking at. And you're looking at somebody who is, and, uh, I mean, he was already arguably, maybe may not even be arguably, the greatest amateur fighter of all time. But now he's translated this to a professional. He didn't waste time. I know a lot of people are like, he's only got so many fights. But I'm like, it's kind of dumb to say that because in the UFC, they don't wait. So if you want to give a guy credit for being like 39-0 and 0 with 39 knockouts against a bunch of cans over a guy who's nine, like, who, like Lomachenko was, I think, 11-1 or 10-1 now, 10 and one. Um, who has fought for a title in his second professional fight. Like, I don't understand that. I, I just don't understand the boxing mentality that you should fight a bunch of cupcakes, and that makes you the best fighter. That doesn't make you the best fighter. Lomachenko is easily, he's top three. Um, you can switch him out with Crawford and, and Golovkin. I don't, I don't know if anybody else is better than Lomachenko. It's hard. Um, I would like to put Triple G up there. I probably would just because I don't think Lomachenko's had an opponent like Jacobs yet. Um, but it's still tough. Triple G would have been would have been an easy number one if he got the decision that he was supposed to get against Canelo. But now yeah. he has to prove it again. Now he has to earn that number one ranking again. So we'll see. But I test Lomachenko is the best fighter in the world. Well, my my only concern with Lomachenko, and I've said this before, is is somebody who's hits back. Um, and nobody, and I'm not saying that he can't deal with it. I just like to see him deal with it. I've heard some ridiculous things where people have said, uh, you know, that he would, well, not even ridiculous. People are like, well, he, he'd watch Floyd Mayweather at 130. Eh, I don't know about that. That's stepping on the limb. But I need to see somebody who can, who, who is, like, I need to see him fight somebody like Marky, Mikey Garcia. I, I need to see that happen. Which is a bigger oh. fighter. Yeah, which is a bigger fighter, but I, I figure that Lomachenko can get up to 140. I don't think that's going to be too hard for him. But uh, he needs to fight somebody who can hit back. Um, he overwhelms opponents, and, you know, people were like, oh, Rigondeaux was injured, blah, blah, blah. No, he quit. Look, I don't care. Like, you guys can talk about injuries. Tevin Farmer fought with a torn bicep. Floyd Mayweather fought with broken hands. Other fighters have fought with broken hands, torn biceps, uh, torn rotator cuffs. It's a lot easier to quit when you're already losing. <laughs> it's, it's 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 it doesn't make it. It's like a no brainer. It's like oh yo, I'm losing. Ah, my hand hurts. Might be broken. I'm not winning. Might as well quit. 
it's kind of save face that you say that you're injured. But dude, he was getting washed. But he no one no believed him. He only landed 15 punches. I was like, yo, well, where where did you break your hand? I mean, the hand was swollen, clearly. Like, when they showed him take off his glove, his hand was swollen. But, again, that's – look, man, like I said, guys have fought with worse injuries. And when you're winning, you don't quit because you're like, dude, I'm winning. I'm, I'm just going to fight through the pain. This means a lot to me. But Riggard Dow, he knew he didn't have a chance. As soon as that hand hurt, he was like, I found a way out. I'm out there. <laughs> and everyone wants that re- way out right now. Um, yeah, he's too good, man. I mean, Lomachenko's footwork <laughs> – his 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 offensive capability, um, his his ability to, to not be where he last threw a punch, is phenomenal. Um, he just I've, he hasn't really been hit, you know. He, I mean, but like, when an Olympian good. hits you, what four percent of the punches he throws? That's that says something. No, it's I mean it says a lot. I mean we could speak to Rigondeaux being a thirty-seven year old Cuban who might be fifty-seven. We don't know. Um, <laughs> We could also talk about the size. The size could be a difference, but Rigondeaux had a three-inch reach advantage. Uh, there's a lot of things that you could say. Maybe Rigondeaux, he was in over his head, but Rigondeaux a two-time Olympic gold medalist. He was undefeated and ranked on the pound-for-pound list, and Lomachenko made him look like nobody. Like This is Roy Jones-esque domination that we're seeing against better competition. That's and people told me to point. slow down when I said that on Twitter. No, I was like, no, that's, I was like, he's there. He's Dude. prime Roy Jones status right now. He is doing things in the ring. Like, Roy was beating up a lot of people. And uh, he was always criticized throughout his career, um, especially through the middle part when he was his own promoter for not fighting the best of the best. And while that may be true in some cases, he beat Bernard Hopkins. He beat James Toney. He made Montel Griffin look like a fool after he got disqualified. He went around against Vinny Pazienda with no Pazienda with Paz not even touching him. Didn't land a single punch in the round. Never happened before. Roy Jones did it. Roy Jones was a phenomenal athlete, but Lomachenko is doing this. He just did this against an Olympian, a two-time Olympic gold medalist, a former undefeated fighter whose nickname was a goddamn axe murderer. I mean, <laughs> look, look, Lomachenko is doing what Roy Jones did. And, and I know people want to say slow down because it's too soon. Your nostalgia is getting the best of you. We are looking at boxing greatness right now. Yeah, the, the question is, where do those challenges come from? Because he's, he's in a weird spot. Everyone is running and jumping to go to 147. Um, Mikey Garcia may be included. Because if you're going to take a hard fight, why not try 147 instead of, you know, against Lomachenko? Um, one, because you damn sure lose your belts if he beats you at 140. 147, you go up, you fail, you come back, you still got your belts. Um, it, it's just the risk is way too much. The other guys even towards that weight class are a lot younger and their promoters are not going to be willing to just throw him to the wolves. So it, it, he's in a rough spot as far as gaining competition. He has to do the triple G and just run through the division and, and hopefully someone moves up or moves down to challenge him again. Well, I mean, clearly 130, there's no competition for him. Uh, a few people asked me, what about uh, Javante Davis? I was like, Javante Davis will get murdered. Um, Javante didn't fight that's... him no time soon. No, no, no. He doesn't want that smoke. Plus, he's a PVC fighter, which makes things a little bit more difficult. Um, but at 135, there are a few opponents that I'm interested in. Jorge Linares, for one. Mikey Garcia, obviously. Robert Easter. 135, I mean, even a guy like uh, Ray Beltran, who is not necessarily the most skilled athlete, but he's a little, he's a rugged guy. Richard Comney, who had a great fight with Robert Easter. Uh, Felix Verdejo, even. There's a lot of guys at 35 that could make things interesting. 
Um, obviously, where Lomachenko would need to go is to 140 if he ends up fighting somebody like a Victor Postal, but he might be, you know, he might be too small. We he's don't really a lot, know how. Yeah, he's very undersized in that fight, but it'd be one hell of a challenge. It would be, and you know, and it's a guy like Pacquiao who moved through weight classes. Lomachenko could probably do the same. The only issue with Lomachenko, though, is like a guy like Pacquiao started when he was like 17, 18 years old as like a, a like a mosquito weight and moved all the way up through the weight classes. Lomachenko's a little bit older, so he's not going to get too much bigger. But I could see if the, the stars align a Terence Crawford Lomachenko fight coming to fruition. I think Crawford could still make 140. And you have that fight with Lomachenko. But the reach advantage would be crazy for Crawford. Yeah, I mean, he's just a much arms. bigger fighter. Yeah, just a, a much bigger fighter. Well, I mean, if you're the best, I don't think Lomachenko's a guy who's going to shy away from competition. I think he's a guy who will willingly move up. Um, and that would be a hell of a fight between those two. Uh, I'd love to see what Lomachenko deals with the adversity of Crawford. I'd love to see how Crawford makes his adjustments. He's probably one of the best... Uh, with Floyd retired, the best guys who makes adjustments mid-fight. There's probably nobody better than Terrence Crawford. I'd love to see what he would do with somebody like Lomachenko. That's where it's at. Um, but yeah, man, anybody... You know what you're going to start. You're going to start the, the Lomachenko versus Manny Pacquiao at 140 conversation. I, I don't... That's that's a waste of time. Um, Why? I mean, the, name, the name goes a long way. Does it? I mean, Just, I, it just goes on a, the resume, in hindsight, the name away. goes a long way. It goes away. I just don't think it goes that long. I mean, dude, it's... You know, Jeff Horn beat Manny Pacquiao, even though with our eyes we all saw Manny I was about Pacquiao. to say, he did not lose that fight. <laughs> but but Manny Pacquiao is not fighting Lomachenko. Freddie Roach is not letting that happen. Because there's uh, no way Pacquiao could have enough time to prepare for somebody like Lomachenko. For, uh, Manny Pacquiao is a fight guys who he can train for like four weeks, of really hard <laughs> for four weeks, and beat. But I was, and, Loma, I, and I'll say it again, Bob Arum has to put the money on the table. Because sooner or later you have to build your next pay-per-view star espn stuff is great and doing all those good numbers and all this stuff it ain't that pay-per-view money it's just not and he should have did it with crawford whacked that out crawford moved up to 147 i manny looks very thin at 147 going down to 140 let's do it because you you have to feed manny to the wolves so to say and at least you're feeding him to a smaller fighter crawford you could argue okay crawford had the build to really wash Manny. Lomachenko, there's a question mark. In yeah, terms I of mean, size, the, not skill, obviously. There, there's a danger here. And the danger is, how much do you pay Manny Pacquiao to possibly lose? Because that's really what it's all about. You pay him uh, whatever it's going to let Lomachenko recoup after that. So, But the, the, then the issue is, is there a guaranteed return for beating Mar- Manny Pacquiao? I, I would that's, say, yeah, you take Lomachenko off of ESPN and he's now fresh ever the rest of his career pay-per-view fighter i don't but i don't know if he's a big pay-per-view star you know i I don't know if beating manny pacquiao versus you know continuing to have these showcase fights against elite opposition i don't know if there's that big of a difference yeah he beats manny pacquiao and it sounds good but a lot of people know manny pacquiao was watch pacquiao and if lomachenko beats him and you pay manny pacquiao what i don't know 20 million 20 million uh, sounds like that's a that's a lot of money for him to lose and you don't know if Lomachenko will ever be worth that as a pay-per-view fighter. He doesn't speak English. He's hard to market. But he's a great fighter. That's what he has going for him. Worst case scenario, you pay Manny Pacquiao $20 million, million and he wins. <laughs> oh, Famous yeah, that, that'd be crazy. Well, then you just run it back with Lomachenko. Get a rematch. It's, Double the you know, it's, 
it's just really hard because you're trying to tell Manny Pacquiao, like, here's the money, um, but you got to relieve yourself of all Senate duties if you want to have a chance, basically. And, you know, Manny's loyal to the people. The money could be there. I just don't know if he steps away from his senatorial duties to fight a Lomachenko or a Terrence Crawford at this point in his career. Yeah, um, it's crazy. Uh, that'd be one hell of a, a fight for, like, name appeal, though. Because Lomachenko's riding high after that performance. Oh, absolutely. And, and you can definitely sell him. Uh, that's one hell of a B-side to Pacquiao, who's still an A-side against most people. Yeah, definitely. So that that's something to keep our eye on. Um, we we're going to touch on the Ortega fight, but we can kind of skip over that. He won by submission again. <laughs> yeah. Let's see if the kid gets a title shot. Uh, let's go into our best of the year stuff. And we have a nice list for best of the year this year. And, you know, I have all my stuff written down. I gave you the list earlier. We have not shared this information. So I'm sure you're going to think I'm crazy on some stuff. But I should come through a little bit better than I did last year. I feel like you said there was a lot of goddamn Mikel moments last year. This year, though, remember. I'm a year older. I'm a year wiser. Let, let, let's go at it. Um, I know you're going to go chalk on most of your stuff. But first one, best event we've covered this year. And we're, we're easing into this. We're, we're doing opinion first. This is... Uh, uh, well, mine is Mayweather McGregor. And the reason that is necessarily the fight itself... But everything, it, it, was the, it was the freak Nick meets St. Patrick's Day. <laughs> and it was the last time that we would get, I mean, probably the last time, more than likely, 95% chance. It's the last time that we'll see that kind of an atmosphere for a fight with those two kind of audiences at a boxing event. Um, black folks don't really come to fights like that. They sure were out that night. We had the big three earlier in that day. It was crazy. Um, Walking from the big three at the MGM yeah. to T-Mobile. There, no butt cheeks were covered. No bras were worn. Uh, I saw, once again, 80 million guys who are at least in their 30s or 40s dressing like 19-year-old Migos. It was an experience. And then you threw the drunk Irish on top of it. Yeah, it, it was, I mean, for the culture, man. So that's my number one event. Um, I know a lot of people will be like, what about Drew G. Canelo? Not the same. I'll see that atmosphere again probably in May. But the Canelo, I mean, the uh, Mayweather-McGregor, don't think we'll ever see anything quite like that again. Um, yeah, that's that's my number one. How do I go against that? Like you said, Canelo, Triple G is probably number two. The crowd was surprisingly good for that one. There was a huge Mexican turnout. I expect an even bigger one in May. Um, Triple G has support from the Mexican fans, too. The respect yeah. they gave him at the end, especially with that decision, they weren't happy about it either. They're like, you know, let our guy lose. If he lost, let our guy lose. Um so that's going to be a great crowd, but nothing like Mayweather-McGregor. The press tour, all the interviews we did leading up to it, just talking to both guys, the open workouts were crazy. The entire environment around the fight was good. And for what it was, I thought the fight delivered. We yeah. Couldn't expect yeah. anything more from that fight. And it played out how it should have played out. So that was my best event covered as well. That's pretty easy. Now let's get into the nitty-gritty. Uh, the best and worst Trump moment of the year. Just because we got to add this to every show now. Shit, we got him for four years. We got to make fun of him. I mean, the, I mean, Jesus Christ, I don't even know which one to pick. I mean, from, <laughs> from his support of Roy Moore, who, thank God, that man lost, um, to his... I mean, I guess Trump on Twitter. Like, that's the, the worst, just period. Like, Donald Trump being on Twitter... Is probably the worst thing ever. Um, <laughs> Twitter no fingers Trump. 
Yeah, no, no president should ever be allowed to just recklessly fly off at the, the fingers like Donald Trump does. And those tweets are ridiculous from him criticizing the NFL and telling players to not kneel and to be fired uh, to po- reposting anti-Muslim videos like <laughs> Trump is a reckless guy. So his there is no best Trump moment unless he passed away. Um, that would be the best. But and I know people are like, Jesus Christ, that's morbid. Dude, he's old. No, he's rich. It's real. He's done. Enough. Um, he's lived a good life. I say the same shit about Vince McMahon, too. Like, honestly, both of them just got to go sooner or later. Well, I'm not going to put Vince up there with Trump. Shit. Different no. categories, but Vince got to go. I love um, Vince. He's done a lot for the culture. Vince, you got to go, my man. Because he ain't good, dropping the ball unless he's out of here. Yeah, but he, I don't know. Much but, respect. Yeah, Trump, Trump being a uh, Trump's Twitter fingers are the worst moment ever. Okay, my worst moment, and this is personal, is Trump acting like Kobe in Puerto Rico, throwing the, the fucking paper towels out to the crowd during a hurricane. I, yeah, that was pretty bad. That was like, yo, it, it, I couldn't believe it. He's shooting jumpers, in which I'll give him one thing, and don't kill me on here. His jump shot form is a little bit better than Obama's. It, it just is. He had decent form. The left was guiding it, but what a clown to do that shit. Like, what is paper towels going to do with a hurricane? Like, do you see, like, what do we need paper towels for? Not food, not nothing. Paper towels. And you're shooting them like Kobe. It's band-aids for bullet holes. That's all Trump rolls. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, so we'll have many more Trump moments um, unless he gets impeached, which then I'll be drunk at an impeachment party. Uh, next up, we have best social movement of the year backpacking off of the trump debate it led to a lot of good a lot of good conversation and uh, at least the dialogue is moving now and people are feeling like they have a voice and they're speaking out against it seems like more injustice or maybe just the platforms magnified because trump does such polarizing and crazy shit and everything's so divisive my best social movement of the year is I didn't want to go with Kaepernick because I felt like that's kind of like a little too well-known. I picked kind of the underdog. And when we had the Women's March, and I still count that as this year. I'm not sure if it was December or January of last year. But that Women's March movement was super dope. And to see people storm like D.C. and everything was really cool. So that's my number one social movement of the year. Um, I have to. I mean, I have to go with Kaepernick because of the dialogue that he created. And um, I mean, the ramifications that it is, the ripple effect it's had throughout the community, you know, both sides. We've got to see a lot of people's true colors because of a football player taking a knee. Oh, yeah. Uh, which is incredible. Uh, and it'll be one of those things when Kaepernick retires, much like Muhammad Ali. People hated Muhammad Ali and then he retired and he was the greatest thing ever. People 20 years from now is going to be like, man, I can't believe you know, Kaepernick, I, I supported him the entire time. Shut the fuck up. You're a liar. You never supported him. You hated his guts. Uh, <laughs> he's dealt with a lot of adversity. This has been an, a, a year when the NFL could have used him at quarterback with so many injuries at the quarterback position and so much subpar QB play. Colin Kaepernick stood by his guns. And, I mean, he didn't get signed because of this. I don't care what anybody says. So that's my number one. Them being recognized by GQ and Sports Illustrated. Um, it kind of comes full circle. But then my number two is this: uh, the movement is getting out all these the sexual harassment, all these women stepping up and, and speaking out. Which is out crazy. On this. The Me Too movement. Yeah, I mean, there's so you know, 
I'm so glad that finally a lot of these women have come to speak out. I mean, I'm not a woman, so I wouldn't know. But obviously there are women who were scared because they didn't think anything would ever happen to these people in power. So the Harvey Weinsteins and now Russell Simmons, I mean, even a guy like Louis C.K., uh, even Kevin Spacey, you know, being coming, trying to come out as gay to cover it up, but didn't matter. Um, but <laughs> like, what was that going to do? Like, I don't know. He tried it. But, uh, you know, ultimately this was this is a huge moment. I, I, it's, it's not over yet. I mean, it's still going to continue. We'll see what kind of effects it has going into next year. But uh, that was huge uh, just to try to have some parity, man, because women have been getting – the, the shovel thrown at them for years. So they, you know, they had, they had a chance, not even had a chance. They took it upon themselves to step up and, uh, and have this to me too movement and get a lot of these grimy, crusty dudes the fuck out of here. Yeah. Women have definitely shown their strength this year. Um, man, just look at that, that more election. Like we just touched on a second ago, 90% of black women voted against him. Those, yep. those little things swing. They, they swing it. And you know, that black girl power movement, it's real. Like, it, it really matters. When people get out there, they vote. They, we band together as a community. And just everyone as a community. At this point, is right versus wrong. Beyond yeah, all yeah. that shit. So, that, you know, we got to band together on that. And uh, let's switch the dial a little bit. Let's go to hip-hop. Best hip-hop album of 2017. And this was tough for me. Yeah, you know it's easy for me. Um <laughs> <laughs> Obviously, Kendrick Lamar Dam is the album of the year. Uh, I don't think there's anything backwards or forwards. Uh, either way, you could play it either way. Uh, it's just a. It's I still play it today. It's a remarkable album. Not too far off though is Rhapsody's Layla's Wisdom and Jay Z's Four Four Four. Jay Z's Four Four Four, in my opinion, is a distant third. Um, not to say that it was bad, but Rhapsody had a really goddamn good album. Um, but uh, yeah, I think this was Kendrick Lamar, uh, his most accessible album since Good Kid, Mad City. Obviously, The Pimp of Butterfly wasn't as accessible to a lot of people, but still contained the many layers that you need for a great album. And still on your third album to be able to tell these stories that are refreshing and true. Um, excellent. It's, that, that's my album of the year. I really enjoyed Kendrick's album, which became, which was a surprise to many who listened to this show. Um, I like Kendrick. By the way, I just you know, to pimp a butterfly didn't do it for me. Stop. But, just, just give you. But give this year. Go ahead. Uh, Kendrick, it's second to me in album of the year this year. Jay Z takes the cake, just because you know it. It's the Jay Z that I guess is growing up with a generation, right? Like, there's no need to retire in hip hop. He's doing something that people didn't think could be done, which is making relevant age-appropriate, genre-appropriate hip-hop and people liking it and proving it can sell. So hip-hop doesn't have to die when you're 23. You don't only have to like the little pumps and the, you know, all the mumble rap stuff. It can grow up. And this is the first time, really, his class is the first class to see how far we can push it. They're going to set the limits of how long it can go. Is it something like, you know, rockers who perform into their 70s, 75, country stars who Willie Nelson performed to when, whatever age? You know, like, how far can we push the culture? How long can they stay relevant? And Jay-Z with this album just proved he can go another step. And the subject matter evolved. It's not drug dealing. It's not gun selling. He's talking about stuff appropriate for people that age and in that mindset. So... 
he to me his impact of the album was incredible. And Jay Jay gets album of the year for for me. We'll see what the Grammy says though, right? You're covering it. Yeah, yeah, yeah I've I've got a lot of got a lot of work to do around the Grammys this year, <laughs> but uh, it'll be interesting, man, because you have two like you have Jay Z. And Kendrick Lamar, I really like Lords the Dark Horse in this competition. But uh, the album of the year is between them. It's really going to depend on what you like. Um, you know, again, I think Kendrick has the best album, but I wouldn't be surprised at all if Jay Z won. Uh, and, and and you know, to be honest, it's not even a Jay Z album. This is Sean Carter's first album. It really is. Like, yeah, the the first since wow, in, in a very long time. Streets is watching. It's probably. The other one I'll chalk up is a Sean Carter album. I still it call felt, it a Jay Z album. It felt it so still, different. Yeah, yeah. No, I agree. But it's there like was still, Hood no. Tales. Yeah, yeah. There's like, still Sunshine. Sunshine was still on there. So <laughs> that, that is true. <laughs> Listen, we buried that. Strike that from the record. Uh, moving on, best R and B album of the year. We didn't have this last year, so we're no, throwing we it in um, just because to me R and B had one of the best years. In recent memory, even though I think last year was a dope year for R&B. Why didn't we have this on the list? But R&B has been way more stable than hip hop. And, you know, we had to throw it on there. There's a lot of good R&B albums. You give yours first. I think I know what yours is, though. Um, well, I've had a hard time with this because there's, I have three albums. Um, and I settled on Scissors Control. Ah, I but, knew it. <laughs> but it's it very, very close second. A lot of people are like, really? Uh, Sabrina Claudio's About Time album is fucking amazing and then Dan- daniel caesar's fraudian um on my top three SZA takes it just barely um i think the entirety of SZA's album is makes it the best but sabrina claudio her vocals are amazing uh she's just i i love her like she's an excellent singer and daniel caesar's you know get you is fucking remarkable but yeah it's been a great year for r&b but if i had if i was forced to pick i gotta go with SZA. So I have to check out those other two albums on your list because I haven't even heard them. So that's crazy, and I'm definitely going to check that on our iTunes today. I guess mine is more mainstream and poppy. But uh, SZA comes in second for me. I really liked her album. Um, number one to me is Trey Song's Tremaine album, which is my favorite Trey Song's album to date. Uh if Jay-Z made a Sean Carter album, this is Trey Song's Tremaine album. All the BS, all the stuff he was doing before kind of went out the window. This one was personal. Uh, and you can tell it was personal. It was about growth. It was less popping bottles. Damn near no popping bottles. It was all about kind of like a life experience. So Trey Song's Tremaine album. And then I like the the Black album too. Like Black is, is dope. Hmm. So yeah, I, I liked his project. So clearly, there's a lot of people that will hear these two lists and be like, okay, I get why he's old man Andreas, and I get why Kel is goddamn it, Kel. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the, the age gap shows. I mean, we could agree yeah. on the SZA album, but uh, yeah, nah, the age gap definitely shows. But I'm going to check out yours, just because you know your shit. So I got to give it a listen. Listen, this is what we're doing. We're broadening people's knowledge base here. You more so than me. But if you haven't heard the Trey Song album, that shit is dope. Don't just be like, oh, this is Trey. I'm skimming over it. It's not like the usual stupid poppy Chris Brown type shit. It's good. Uh, best song of 2017. Who's going first? I'll go Me? first. I don't care. I'll blow the doors off it. Bodak Yellow, Cardi B. Best song of the year. Drop the really? mic. BX, stand up. 
Yes. Queen Cardi. Hmm. Well, my best song of the year, and I'm not even entirely sure it came out this year, but I haven't stopped playing it, is Gold Link's Crew. Oh, my God. That's my shit. That's, <laughs> I, I know yo, you gave that best hook, but best song. That shit is dope. Yo, Gold Link's Crew, the, the beat, Brent Fire's hook is amazing. Um, even Shy Glizzy, who for all intents and purposes is relatively whack, um, had a, <laughs> a flame verse on there. Um that is like, and I can't stop playing it. I'm still playing it. It's December. My nephew loves it. I mean, he's 11. Like everybody loves Goldling's Crew, and it really just came out of the blue. You know, a guy from DC uh, with a banging ass song. He's got a great album too. But Goldling's Crew is my song of the year. That that song when I first heard, it, I was like, Yo, this is a summer song. Oh man, like it, that took me back. Like this is like the joint that would knock all summer in New York. Like every barbecue, it just makes you feel good. Yeah, yeah, and I mean, it's just the ultimate, like, damn, girl, like, <laughs> why you coming around now, groupie? That's what type of song that is. I'm doing all right, now you want to be around? That's the type, that's that shit. Uh, I love Golden's crew. Yeah, that's, I, I'm not mad at that. I'm surprised you went that way. I'm not mad at it. Um, next up, we have Best Beef of 2017. You go first, because I, I don't know. I'm still thinking. Okay, Joe Budden versus Migos. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it, it didn't even come to wax. It's not even all wax. But that interview and then the impending like sweatshirts and T-shirt movement, now they're casting people to be like the entire cast, whatever the hell Joe Budden show is, as like alternates. I want to see who they cast as fake Joe Budden. Like, I, I'm ready for it. That's hilarious. And it's funny to see Joe Budden, who's one of my favorite rappers, personally no longer be a rapper like now he's a member of the media he is a talk show host like rapping so secondary it's crazy and these, there's gonna be a whole generation of young kids that don't know joe bunnan's a rapper they're just gonna think he's on tv it's the progression of how we see some of our favorite baseball players or some of the best baseball players do commentary and football players for that too and people know Terry Bradshaw is this guy just on TV, not knowing he's one of the greatest Super Bowl quarterbacks. Like, you know, stuff like that. We're, we're getting to that point in hip-hop where it would be cool to see some of our guys who have knowledge, who know lyrics, who know all this stuff, transition into being commentators and personalities and kids not knowing any clue that they used to rap. Okay. Well, my I thought about hip-hop, and I thought, you know, Nicki and Remy, but then I was like, eh, it's not really like... It's almost one-sided. I know that Nikki exists, but it, she, she doesn't really feel like she's gone full throttle. So I kind of, and I can't do like Cam and Mace, because um, that just, whatever. The only beef that really oh, mattered You could have went Cam and Mace. <laughs> yeah, but I'm not. But the only beef that really mattered wasn't in hip-hop. It was Pauly Malignaggi and Conor, Conor McGregor. That was the most insane, stupidest shit from two guys who were sparring partners. Um, I mean, it had all the elements of the Summer Jam screen. The, the video... I mean, everything was there with Paulie and Connor. And these two didn't even fight. It was Floyd and Connor. But Paulie and Connor, the vitriol's still there. They still want to fight. Well, Paulie does. Um, but that's my beef of the year. That was the one that, that had me captivated. Uh, John Jones and Daniel Cormier is a close second, though. Oh, that's not bad. But the, the, the tainted, you know, whatever. The, the, the yeah. taintedness of the test and John Jones maybe never coming back. It kind of whacked me out on the whole situation. Johnny Bone Jones, I forgot he existed for a second. 
And that's a damn oh, shame. Yeah. Sucks. Yeah, he's he's really out of the paint with that one. All right. So that's kind of our music coverage. We're going to shift gears. We'll come back to a couple more music categories. But combat sports time. Best boxing match of the year. Uh, Joshua Klitschko, man. Um, because of the stakes uh, and the drama. You know, a lot of people thought Canelo and Triple G was fight of the year. But it didn't have the drama of Joshua and Klitschko. Um, you know, the fact that Joshua nearly got Klitschko out of here and the Klitschko ne- nearly got Joshua out of here. I mean, you got a, a, a definite first ballot Hall of Famer against a guy who looks primed to take over boxing in the heavyweight division, had put on an excellent fight um, and brought kind of brought the juice back to the heavyweight division, which has been lacking for years. So there's been some great fights this year. And even the Roman Salido fight over the weekend was excellent. But Nothing lacked the the, circum- the pomp and circumstance and then the drama and the stakes as Anthony Joshua versus Black Klitschko. Man, I hate agreeing on best <laughs> boxing match of the year. Uh, Joshua Klitschko, definitely. It, it's my number one. The young bull finally, finally tasting adversity. Klitschko yeah. showing for a second. It looked like he still had that old Klitschko game in him. And then the ending being what it should be and that's it and i i like it it was the perfect story it's what joshua needed and it's it had everything you needed and storyline went into it it was yep. built up to be something and it lived up to the hype and you that's what makes a good fight even beyond you know a lot of the other fights obviously are great in the ring they're contested the one guy gets knocked down the other guy that's great but the backstory behind this, the platform it was on to deliver that type of fight, is what did it. And yeah, yeah I mean, that it's hard to pick another. One. I'm trying to see it, which other one I could have had up there because there were some good ones, but I, I just can't can't think of it. That one's clear and above number one. Um, best boxing KO of the year. Uh, boxing KO of the year? What is, uh, Dave Lemieux knocking Curtis Stevens through that bottom rope? Um, and there was some good, there was some great knockouts this year. But that one, um, just, I mean, it's a quick reminder how quick a fight can end. Because it doesn't always have to be, like, the super elite fighters that have knockout of the year. But, uh, the violent and the sudden nature of Lemieux flatlining uh, Curtis Stevens, um, definitely my knockout of the year. Ooh, you know what? That was my number two. So I cheated. I had a draw. <laughs> Just Lemieux Stevens was too. Uh, Wilder Stavern was crazy. Mm, yeah. That that shit. He did a back bend. He did the limbo. Yeah, it was pretty. That was pretty violent. Um, my, the only reason why I didn't pick that one is because it wasn't a one hit a quitter. Like Curtis went down. It, there was nothing coming back. He was cooked. The kid was baked. But, yeah, I'm, I'm not mad at that pick, though. Yeah. <laughs> and it was so quick. We all thought it was going to be a knockout. But quick. Yeah, he murdered him. Yeah, so that that's my number one. But I was going to go with the draw. But since you took the other one, that's my number one. Um, best MMA fight of the year. Oh, um, Gagey and Johnson. Um, and then we happened to be there for that fight as well. Um, the UFC's had a... a, a re- it has had a decent year in Octagon. I mean, obviously, we've, I've talked about it being a lemon for, like, the entire fucking year. But 
that Justin Gaethje Michael Johnson fight, the way that it happened, for a lot of people never saw Justin Gaethje fight up until that moment. We're completely blown away how this guy can nearly get decimated on his feet, come back and wreck Michael Johnson. That was a super violent two minutes. So, um, you know, Gaethje, I'm sure will be back, but that was a, a warm welcome to the UFC for Justin Gaethje. Michael Johnson found out the hard way with, with what he was dealing with. Uh, absolutely my fight of the year. I hate agreeing on these. It's, it's really bothering this we need to start sharing stuff before the show Gaethje Johnson's my number one of the year I thought Gaethje was out of here he was a walking zombie came back and got Johnson out of the paint um man such a good fight and we happen to be right there cage side for it so that made all the difference I think that's my number one let's go best MMA knockout of the year this we won't agree on no I don't think we will um my number one, like, number two is Ngannou Overeem. Uh, that's number two. My number one knockout of the year is Paul Daly's flying knee against Brendan Ward in Bellator. Um, I don't know if, how many people actually watched it, but that was one of the most violent flying knees I've ever seen. But the damage that it left on Brendan Ward, it just busted his, his dome wide open. Ridiculous. You know, people thought that Paul Daly could win with his hands against an undefeated Brendan Ward, but a flying knee nobody expected any Damn near killed that man. That's my knockout of the year. Okay, I was looking at that one. And flying knee was cool. I, I thought it was a product of, you know, him dipping into it. I went, and prisoner of moment or not, and Ganu taking Reem's face off. He I saw his soul lift. It damn near set him Ganu up for a title fight, just that one punch. And the star power around this guy is next level now, just because the way he does finish people. So I, yeah, I'm that, going with that. Brutal. Yeah, it's crazy. All right, next up, we transition to wrestling a little bit. Best indie match of the year. You can go first. I'll go first. Um, hashtag no Meltzer on this one, but I'm taking Omega Okada 2 from Dominion. As my best match of the year. I love the Wrestle Kingdom match. That was cool. Nothing, in my opinion, was better than that Dominion match. Inside the ring, outside of the ring spots were crazy. Um, I liked it even better in the trilogy fight. I believe this was the one that got 5.75. The last yeah. one broke the scale, like 6.5. That shit's just ridiculous. But this one was the best one to me. And, man, I, I don't think they're going to pair these two again for quite some time. And they shouldn't. Just make people really, really buy into it. And sooner or later, let Kenny go over on Okada. Yeah, I mean, New Japan knows how to build a few. That's for goddamn sure. Yeah. Uh, look how long they took with Naito. And Naito lost at Wrestle Kingdom not too long ago. So my match of the year is uh, Okada Omega 1. Uh, Wrestle Kingdom is my number one match. And I hate to even call New Japan an indie because they're so huge in Japan. Um, but we'll just say it promotions outside of the WWE. Um, but there was I had two others that, that were close. Uh, Omega Naito, I thought was excellent from the G1. And uh, everybody knows that listens to the show that I'm a Shibata mark. And Shibata Okada, the match that might have been Shibata's last match, uh, was a very close third. Uh, I love the uh, Shibata Okada match. That was excellent. Um, but yeah, what Omega and Okada did at Wrestle Kingdom, I mean, you could pick any of the ones and I wouldn't be mad. But it just, I, nobody really knew what to expect. That first time. We thought we were going to get a really good match. 
Uh, we thought we were going to get probably a five-star match, but I don't think anybody expected what we got out of Wrestle Kingdom. Uh, and it put Okada, and, I mean, it put Kenny Omega on another level completely. Yeah, definitely. Um, and you obviously were speaking to Omega, what, a couple days ago? Two days ago? Yes, I so did. It's um, crazy I, I to see to him, that. Him and Jericho, I, I, both, I talked to both of them. I talked to Jericho at like 11 o'clock at night. We had a good like 30-minute conversation. Um, it's funny because I can't reveal too much. Uh, I'll take a brief respite just to kind of talk about this. Um, but Jericho did tell me how the match came together, his relationship with Vince, and he, he said Vince you know, was cool with it. Um, but we talked about like what it means for Canada. The Kenny Omega story, I have a news bit that I'm not allowed to necessarily release yet. But... Uh, the reason why Kenny Omega didn't think this Jericho match would happen, he told me he didn't think it would happen because he tried last year to have the elite fight certain WWE talent. The WWE talent agreed, but Vince Clark blocked it. I'll reveal that whenever the story is able to come out because I don't, think, I don't know if Kenny told it to anybody else. And Kenny told it to me in passing. Like, we were talking about the Jericho match. He was like, yeah, yeah, you know, we had this thing. And then last year, blah, blah, blah. And I said, wait, what? And he told me again, and I was like, are you serious? He was like, yeah. And then he was like, I talked to them. They were down, but, you know, the upper brass wouldn't have it. That's why I thought Jericho wouldn't, and me and Jericho would never face off until I found out Jericho was not under contract. Um, but, but, yeah, both interviews were great, and it's just, dude, I, we'll see. I mean, I wasn't super high on Jericho Omega at first, but as we get closer, I'm hype for this Wrestle Kingdom match. I'm really hyped for this shit. What outlet is that coming out on? Uh, I can't even say yet. <laughs> my, my, my Jericho interview is going to be on Yahoo. Jericho will be on Yahoo probably the week of Wrestle Kingdom to promote it. But uh, the Kenny Omega interview, I can't say yet where it's landing. Okay. It's more than secrecy. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, interesting to see that we both have similar uh, matches for that. Best WWE match of the year. And I'll go with mine because it's a tie. And I this I only had two ties this whole damn list, and these are my ties. Um, Tyler Bray, Pete Dunne was actually in 2017, and that's still yeah. one of my favorite matches. Uh, that story told. Pete Dunne is a star. The hell with the UK Championship or whatever, man. Just put the guy on TV. Put him in NXT. Let him go. And Styles Lesnar is my other tie. Hmm. Those are my two. Yeah. Um, Bate Dunn was my, like, Bate Dunn was my number one. Like, I was sitting there going through the matches. I was like, that's number one. That's number one. Then I thought about it. And then the train wreck that was Lesnar, Strowman, Reigns, and Joe was actually my number one match of this year. Um, because so much shit happened in that four-way match. It's such a, I mean, it wasn't, it wasn't short. But it was so brutal, and it was everything that you expected out of all four guys. And Fatal Four Ways are really hard to have a great match with. But I thought it, it told an excellent story. It made Samoa, uh, Samoa Joe look like a killer. made Strowman look like a monster. They ended up putting Lesnar out for a little while so he couldn't just body everybody in there. That, that told a great story. So that was my number one match of the year. And I know people were like, you didn't pick Bait and Dunn? That, uh, entertainment value? Like... They were both super entertaining, and Bate Dunn is probably is in my top in my short list of top matches of the year. But I really like this Fatal Four Away. Really? Yeah. You didn't like the Styles Ballard match as much as everyone else, too, right? Because that was that was damn near three. 
No, I didn't like it as much as I didn't like it as much as everyone else. Uh, I thought I thought it was good. Don't get me wrong. I thought it was good. I just didn't like it. It wasn't one of my top matches of the year. I thought like Style Cena back at the Royal Rumble uh, was was close to making top five. As That's well. true. That's true. Style Cena was good. Um, going on to the next one, a category I want to keep in here, which you know we'll just touch over real quick, is most improved WWE wrestler. And mine is a cheat because it's wrestlers. And uh, I have the Usos. Most improved. And we talked about it damn near every episode. The Suusos, the characters at first we were like, what? And then Uso Penitentiary. And then now that shit was gold. And, and to me, yeah. it made them one of the best tag teams in the world. And we kind of always knew they can go in the ring. And they did the high flying. It was a little bit too Samoan cheesy, snooker-ish. This let them be them. They are heels. This is the characters they should always have. I love it. And now they're tweeners, even with this character. Yeah. They they are really good. Um and I didn't even think about the Usos because I was so like Braun Strowman. I I couldn't Braun Strowman was trash like a year ago. Now he's like the biggest one of the biggest guy stars in the WWE. So I had to go with Braun Strowman, his work has gotten a lot better. Um, he's not, yeah, he doesn't have the work rate of the Usos. Usos, all they needed was a character change. Um, but Braun, he's had everything. Everything works for Braun Strowman. He's my most improved this year. Can't argue with that, right? The Monster Among Men, we'll see how they handle what's going down at the Rumble. But is there any reason why he shouldn't be Brock Lesnar clean? Um, because they want Brock Lesnar to get beat by Roman Reigns. And they don't want to do Roman and Braun at WrestleMania. That's it. It's all for Roman Reigns. Everything is being put in place for Roman Reigns to leave WrestleMania as champion. And it won't be against Braun Strowman. They have to make Brock Lesnar. I mean, I think this is why we've seen Brock Lesnar win with one F5. Finally. Because, you know, multiple F5s got ridiculous. So he's beating people with one F5. So finally, when he does it to Reigns, Reigns will kick out. That's what I think they're doing. Okay. But Braun should win. I think, I think Braun, being a full-time guy, I think he should eventually carry the title. Braun Strowman, like real quick before you continue, Braun Strowman and Nia Jax are very similar with their career paths. They're being kept out of the title picture for strange reasons. Because they're uh, both monsters, yeah. and they both could be champion. But for one reason or another, they find a way to, like, with Braun and Kane and Nia Jax with this Enzo shit, Really weird. They, I mean, I, I don't really know want to see Nia on that. SmackDown. Or, I mean, I feel like Asuka has to be champion. So, I mean, so putting her on the same brand as Nia, who should have been champion. The arc was there for Nia to be champion, and then they just never pulled the trigger. No, and now you have Absolution and the Riot Squad being the same. They're, I think they're moving way too fast with Absolution and Paige. I mean, not Paige and Asuka. I think they're moving way too fast with that. Slow down. Yeah, because Asuka can't Asuka, lose. Yeah, Asuka is gonna run out of opponents soon, but uh, they should they should carry drag that on a little bit uh, longer. Uh, we've seen Asuka and Nia in NXT, but yeah, Braun and Nia like they're like the same person. They're being handled the same way. Agreed. Um, moving over toward A, it's the end of our list, kinda. Uh, this is where we get down to, uh, I guess, the best of the best for the year 2017. And we're starting it off with the best best boxer of the year. I mean, Vasily Lomachenko. Uh, I, I don't even think it's a question 
uh, as a guy who's made a Olympic gold medalist quit. And, uh, I mean, he's just been dominant this year. Untouchable. Um, I don't, I don't know who else you could put there. Uh, Glovkin's had a great year, but he, you know, he ended up not winning a fight that he, people thought he should win against Canelo. But he I don't won. think anybody's, yeah, <laughs> I don't think anybody's looked as fantastic as Vasil Lomachenko. I've put Triple G in that spot. Um, I've done so because his two wins this year, well, one win and one draw. But my, I said he has two wins this year, and he answered the only question people had left was competition. And that Jacobs fight and beating Jacobs showed grit. It showed that he beat the second best guy in the world in his weight class. And then the Canelo fight where he stepped up and took on a star opponent, uh, a guy who's way younger than him, who had all the backing, the Floyd Mayweather fight experience, all this stuff. And he went out there and delivered in that fight. He's more than just a knockout artist. He is a boxer. He is the number one pound for pound boxer. And he showed that this year. So Triple G is number one on my list. And I think he shows okay. it again in May. I think so, too. Um, unless he gets old overnight. But uh, I, don't yeah, I, don't, so. I don't see that happening yet. Um, so Triple G takes that for me. Best MMA fighter of the year, which was kind of difficult for me. I had to look this up and see. There weren't too many people who had more than two fights. There weren't too many people who were very active. This is a right. weird year for the UFC. It seems like everyone got injured or an opponent got injured. And stuff just dragging on. The champions, Tony Ferguson, fought once this year. They're talking about Conor McGregor holding up the division. Tony has fought <laughs> twice in the past two years. McGregor has three fights in the UFC in the past two years. Yeah. So what? Not all Tony's fault. Yeah, no. But, we had yeah. the Khabib pulling out. Tony pulled out a one. Like, it, it's just, it's so weird to see this. And people are saying Connor's holding up stuff. Connor's still one of the most active champions in the UFC. How bananas is that? <laughs> right. So it's it's just I, I I don't believe in that narrative. Um, but when it comes down to it, the best fighter this year, all of that included Demetrius Johnson. And it's because he tapped a Brazilian jiu-jitsu black belt. Not that he beat him. He took it to the ground and tapped him. And then in the second title defense, he showed off a move we have never seen done. And one in spectacular fashion. Not to the judges. He slammed a guy, transitioned to armbar, midair, tapped. Incredible. Demetrius Johnson is the number one pound-for-pound fighter in the world and the best fighter this year. Uh, for me, it's... Uh, well, Demetrius is third on my list. Okay. Might, be, might actually be fourth. Um, but my number one was between two people, and it was a. Uh, and my number one is Max Holloway, um, a guy who beat the crap out of Jose Aldo twice. Can't keep him. I can't move him. He's cemented himself as one of the best pound for pound fighters in the world. Has a ridiculously uh, long winning streak, and has been as just as violent as you could possibly be. Uh, the only person that was close to that to me was Robert Whitaker. Um, nobody would have said in 2016 that this guy is going to be your middleweight champion. And not only did he beat Yoel Romero, um, he, Yoel couldn't even take him down. Is that his only fight like, of the year, Whitaker's? No, he had two fights this two. year. Okay. He, he uh, Jacare. All right, yep. Two tough-ass fights. Yeah, and that's why he was very close. But I think Max Holloway's uh, dominance over Jose Aldo, I know he only fought the same guy twice this year, but, you know, I mean, he wrecked him that's, twice. That's my knock on him, though. Because who's not to say that Aldo isn't washed? Well, 
I mean, Frankie Edgar can't say that because Frankie Edgar got beat by Josie Aldo yeah, last year. And, and he did, and he didn't pressure him. And you know, I, I understand Styles make fights, and I would have, I would have at least understood that more with Holloway being there if he would have beat Edgar. No fault of his own, but if he would have yeah, just no beat Frankie Edgar earlier this month, then I would have been like, "Yep, you got it." But yeah, to so, say Aldo is just not washed after Conor McGregor, I, I can't say that because Conor really might have just took his soul. And the chin never recovers. Yeah, it might have. So yeah, Robert Whitaker is like point, like a, a like a fraction behind Max Holloway, and behind them and ahead of Demetrius Johnson. Yeah, I get it. DJ, I mean, he's a great fighter. He's but he's just beating up on guys who aren't competition. Francis Ngannou, just because of what he, the, the the blowouts that he's having this year, and the fact that he's going to be in a title fight next month, uh, was actually my number three. That's not bad. Um, I battled with putting Ngannou up there as well. And Ganu Holloway, yeah, he, Demetrius were my three. Yeah, so not bad. It's just Robert Whitaker. And the more I'm thinking about it, I, I'm almost putting Robert Whitaker number one. Because the more I think about it, like, dude, he beat Jacare. Nobody <laughs> thought he beat Jacare. No. And Nobody then, thought that. Nobody Romero really was on the tail. Yeah. And so, got him out of there. All right, I'm making a call here. Robert Whitaker is my number <laughs> one. I'm flipping it. Because I just got to think about it. I mean, Robert Whitaker, he kind of... He's come not out of nowhere, but this is a guy who got knocked out by Wonderboy at welterweight and hasn't lost since, yeah. and has just tore through the middleweight divisions. And he would have watched Bisping. Yeah, he'd have murdered Bisping. That so wouldn't dirty. Been close. Wouldn't have been close. Um, looking best WWE wrestler this year, and is it even a question? No, is All it right. really? AJ is Styles. AJ, is AJ Styles <laughs> the best or is in AJ the world? Styles? He's the best in the world. We could just bypass that. Uh, best indie wrestler. This year. Is no, that a question? No, I guess not. Kenny Omega. Yeah, and, and, and uh, like for clarification purposes here, for me at least, Kenny Omega is the wrestler of 2017. Overall, right? over styles. Over, over styles. Okay. Um, because he's kind of, I mean, granted, I, I get he's been given the freedom to do a little bit more in New Japan, but not even just breaking Meltzer's scale, but he's actually put New Japan on the map. Um, there were a lot of people who had no idea, like kind of like the Will Ospreay ricochet match from last year. This is the match that everybody was talking about. And it happened three fucking times. Like, and it just got better. Um, Omega is the, but the best, like, and then the, the, like the best performer, like the best wrestler, Okada's not too far off. He's like third. No, no, Um, of course. But because yeah, we're getting, we're getting Okada fatigue though. He's yeah, in LeBron. He's in the LeBron standing. Where it's just like, how many years are going to name Okada the number one wrestler? Like, we get it. I mean, unfortunately, PWI is this is the first time they named Okada the number one wrestler. What? First time. That's blasphemy. Yeah. So it's like for us, this may be fatigue, but for new people that have never seen Okada wrestle, I mean, the guys he's legendary. And uh, Roman Reigns you know, is not the best wrestler in the world. No, he. I mean, I, oh, Kenny Omega had a funny response to that shit too. Um, <laughs> He didn't diss him. Okay, I, I'll say it because it's not like exclusive news. Basically, I told Kenny Omega about Roman Reigns. He sat there and he laughed. He was like, you know, he's like, I don't know who with the WWE put him up to saying that, but he can't believe that. He cannot believe the words that came out of his own mouth. No, you're not even third, fourth best in the company. Um, I mean, dude, you, y'all saw I had a legit argument with Greg, stat guy Greg from the Cheap Heat Show on Twitter about this. Like, he was, he said that Roman Reigns is a better performer than AJ Styles. 
That's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. Y'all, it's not everybody, close. go find Stat Guy Greg on Twitter and diss him. Because, <laughs> and I love, and, you know, and, and me and Stat Guy are cool. Like we text, we met each other at WrestleMania a couple years ago, and we're like, we're we're cool. We we've been talking for a long time. There's no animosity whatsoever. But he's fucking wrong. That's all. Oh yeah. Um, last category. Wrap up the show. Best rapper of 2017. All right, you already know mine, so you can go ahead. Mine is. <laughs> Kendrick Lamar. <gasps> really? Best rapper of 2017. Wow. Really. Um, this is the Kendrick that I wanted in 2016. I wanted him to get back to, and to Pimper Butterfly, you say whatever you want. It, it Stylistically, it's not like this album. This album was more, less jazz, less experimental, more hip-hop. Same message, more hip-hop. And that's what I wanted. That's all I was asking for. And then a couple, throw in a couple features along the way that he just bodies. Kendrick Lamar's best rapper, probably best rapper right now. He's always had to me. He's always been one of the most talented. I always separate stuff like that, like Lupe, Royce, Kendrick, some of the most naturally talented rappers to ever touch a mic, just naturally gifted. But as far as everything total package this year, Kendrick Lamar, number one rapper. Yeah, well, you already know that's my answer. Um... Yeah, I mean, just off the damn album alone, if DNA, um, his verse on Feel is one of my favorites. Uh, I love Feel, and Fear as well. Um, two excellent, you know, so, I mean, he had an excellent album. I mean, the joint that just came out today as we recorded this podcast with Jeezy and J. Cole, he bodied yeah. that. Like, it's been all the man. Yeah, he, I mean, again, uh, you know, I had this argument not too long ago on Twitter. Man, it was, it was a while ago. But I think this run is legit rivals what Lil Wayne did at that time. Oh, yeah, we talked about it on the podcast. Like, yeah, it's, I, I, it's this is worthy of calling yourself the best rapper in the world, except Kendrick's not that type of guy. Like, he's not the type to, like, grow and be like, hey, I'm the best. But it, it's, it's there. Well, he kind of is because he says it. Like, in control, he said it. Yeah, but, uh, but that's more on wax. Lil Wayne ran around the streets yelling that shit. True indeed. True indeed. But, I mean, yeah, I think Kendrick, I mean, just another phenomenal year. The the fact that he kind of blindsided everybody with the damn album, uh, with the hard part four, which was excellent. and then just, Oh, yeah, I almost forgot about those. Throw all that in there. Yeah, and he just kind of just caught several bodies with damn, um, you know. And, uh, you know, fun fact, I don't know how many people are listening to this podcast, but I'm once again doing the oral history. I'm doing the oral history of damn for the Grammys this year. So I get to talk to Kendrick and everybody about the making of this album. So that should be pretty fun as well. Yeah, so we agree on the final category, Kendrick Lamar, Rapper of the Year. Uh, thank you guys for listening to our best of 2017 show. Uh, it was great to be here for another year. This is our third on the calendar for the Corner Podcast. It seems like we started this yesterday, which is bananas. Um, thank you guys for listening. Big things in 2018. We'll keep, you know, bringing you the content you like. Let us know anything you guys want to hear. I promise you, to start the year, we will get a fan appreciation episode off the ground and running again. So you guys come on a show and talk to us. But, uh, yeah, it's been great. That's our episode for this week. Till next week, we're out. Peace. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh, yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. 
Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.